presented by The Hockey Shop. TheHockeyShop.com and Source for Sports Langley. We got some big news coming out of the folks over at The Hockey Shop. It's In Goal Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard along with the co-founder of In Goal Magazine, David Hodgson, Kevin Woodley enjoying some family time at the National Volleyball Championships in Calgary. And I'm sure he's checking out and being in contact with everybody in the uh, in the foothills of the Rockies. Uh, we've got a great episode for you today. Dylan Ferguson is going to stop by, one of our favorites at Ingoal Magazine. Uh, Dylan got his first NHL start uh, five years after his surprising first NHL appearance. Uh, so that is uh, coming your way. He walks us through his wild journey uh, through the life of a professional hockey player. And we'll get you over to uh, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com with a look ahead to Tendy Fest, which is uh, coming our way. And that kind of uh, sort of lights the lamp for everybody as we anticipate the return of one of the great traditions in our world. How exciting is it that Tendy Fest is back? It is one of the best times of the year for us. If you've never been to Tendy Fest in Vancouver before with the hockey shop, it's basically it's a trade show for goaltending. You can hang out, talk to reps from all the companies. You can get on the ice with gear and test it out. You can meet Cam. You can meet Woody. You can talk to other tendies. I was amazed, Darren, the first time they ever had Tendy Fest. We showed up nice and early to, to set up for this. And there's a group of people that had traveled from out of town, people who read in goal and actually were looking forward to meeting probably Woody, but they acted like they wanted to meet me too, had come in from Calgary, speaking of Woody being in Calgary right now. So people come from a long way to go to Tendy Fest to talk goaltending. And the best part, aside from all the chit chat and getting to see all the new gear, is you get to get on the ice with the new gear, which you didn't get on the ice last time you were here, did you, Darren? No, no, no. no. We did a couple of uh, interviews, but we were too busy. Uh, but I, I was so enthralled with all the gear. Yeah, and yeah. all the gear's there, and you can talk to the reps, right? You just get it from the people who know it the best. But if you want to try it, you can do that too, because they've got two sheets of ice. They've got shooters. They've got pucks. You just want to get a little practice in. What a free opportunity to do that. Don't show up thinking that you can put everything on and get a, become a fully kitted goaltender. you got to bring all your stuff, but you can still... Get a set of pads, get a set of gloves. I think they might have some sticks. I know last time they actually you could get out there and try a bunch of different blade profiles because that's a weird thing we talk about and try and describe. Now you can find out what it feels like without having to go through getting your uh, your blades all set up and everything. So all sorts of great opportunities just to to celebrate goaltending. Time for us all to come together and and hang out and enjoy the greatest position in sports. Uh, we'll get more from from Cam and Woody uh, on this in, in just a little bit as uh, they stop by from uh, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com in our gear segment. And uh, that uh, that blade profile mm-hmm. uh, idea, like I, I hadn't thought of that. that. That would be really intriguing when you're not playing. So you can give it a shot and then you can go back to your old profile. Yeah, for sure. Like what an opportunity, because otherwise you'd have to take it in. You'd have to get them to profile your blade. You've got to do the trip to the store, the come back, test it out. Yeah. Maybe you don't like it. I think by the time you find something that works for you, I don't know how many uh, grindings you've been through. But no, they'll they'll have a bunch of different profiles there and, and probably it's a rep from ProSharp. And, uh, and you can just, yeah, you can just slip them into your, your holders and get out there and give them a go. And, and, uh, yeah, what a cool opportunity just to see how it feels. And I know from the people that I've spoken to that have tried different blade profiles, it can be a real game changer. So 
Check it out. I was excited the last time the Tandy Festo occurred. I'd never been before. That was my debut, and it blew me away. So I can't imagine what uh, this presentation is going to be like uh, as we shift out to Langley. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, so into the second round now. And now all eight teams that remain have all used multiple goaltenders, some with different goaltenders starting games. Uh, it's not a record, but it feels overwhelming this year with the different uh, players. And it has a lot to do with the increase in offense and, and coaches having to change things up and the more of a tandem tandem approach that we've seen develop over the last couple of years. Yeah, isn't it? There's so many factors that have to be playing into this. There's the urgency, of course. You uh, you can't just let it ride out for a 10-game stretch and see if you're comfortable with your guy. You've you got to get the wins when you've got to get them. I think you're dead right, Darren, about the increase in offense. If you, if you look at the guys that are left of the regulars with, Apologies to the guys who've only been in there for a little bit. I think um, I think Schmid is sitting at about a 921, and then it drops down to a 909 with Bob. And those save percentages that we're used to seeing being through the roof are, are, are not maybe where we're used to during the regular season. So there's a bit of an urgency to change things up. I've been surprised by the number of games where we've seen some really high scoring. Uh, isn't it? New Jersey's now, I think, second overall for the number of games lost by four or more goals in a playoff uh, as well. So some of the the number of guys getting pulled, really, I think, surprising about how some of those bumps in offense seem to be happening as well. And as you say, there's just so many good goaltenders in the league. So everybody's got another opportunity to bring somebody great in and give them a chance. And seeing some of those guys that started as backups uh, coming in and getting an opportunity Looking at you, Joseph Wolf, for example, um, what what fun it is for all of us who are fans of goaltending. Uh, you mentioned guys getting uh, replaced during game. I'll, I'll go the other way. Yeah, I've been impressed with some guys who have been left in despite having rough starts and coaches staying with them. That's which shows you that the opportunity to still come back is in it, and they want their number one guy. Uh, remaining in the game yeah or or similarly when Edmonton uh, pulled Skinner brought Campbell in had a fantastic game and then they went right mm -hmm. back to Skinner as the guy yeah. that they trust so yeah some really interesting decisions uh, on the part of all the head coaches and, and it had me thinking that you know as a goaltending coach I really like having some input uh, into who's playing talking to the head coach about who's going and why they're going and how they fit a particular team but it also says why I really like it that the head coach is the guy that makes the final decision, right? Because there's <laughs> both because it's not on me, but because there, there, there is an art to this, right? Like it's, it's not necessarily just who's going to stop the most pucks, but they have an understanding about how they fit into the team, how the team is feeling about that person, what the moment means for that person. And, and, and I think that's, uh, that's why somebody gets the big bucks as the head coach. And I love to deal with two players. How many goalies? In the NHL, do you think get the option of staying in after a stumbly start at a first intermission, or whether the coach Ooh. just says we're making a change? Like there, there's not many anymore. Back in the day, like you probably give uh, a Hashik or uh, a, a Belfour or Carey Price, uh, something along that line, Roberto Luongo. Uh, cemented number one guys, and those are Hall of Fame guys. But in the league right now, there's not a lot where where a guy might go, no, I want to stay in and I'm going to stay in. 
Yeah. Doesn't that probably, like you said, like the big number one guys, how many of those are there left in the league? And that probably answers your question right there uh, as to who it would be. I mean, Andre Vasilevsky hardly ever comes out of the net. So there never comes out. Right. So there's a really good example. And you'd like to think a coach would be thinking about uh, him. Uh, Probably Shesterkin. Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Yeah. Hellebuck. Shesterkin. Anybody else? Not sure now. It's a short, and I think guys earn it. Guys earn it through through a playoff too, right? Sergey Bobrovsky probably it's his choice at this point. He's he's carried the team, and my guess is based on his age and experience, he'd probably be given that sort of leeway at this point. But it's going to depend on the team and the coach too, isn't it? But first year coach with with Sergey Bobrovsky, and he hasn't been. Sergey Borovsky is old. He's yeah. he's playing great right now. And by the way, your numbers that you cited, yeah. uh, I thought those would be higher from Borovsky given how well he's played. Yeah, and and those numbers, uh, those numbers uh, don't don't jump out at me. Jonathan Quick is another uh, great career guy, but he's with a new team, so he doesn't have that track record. So there's different aspects, even with uh, really uh, well thought of goaltenders who maybe don't have the pedigree with their team or their coach uh that that might cement it but i was just thinking about uh, when when i saw a couple of teams jay cottinger uh, was up uh down four nothing uh after a period and did he stay in he did but i didn't know whether it was something like pete DeBoer going to him and saying you want to stay in or not or he argued uh about staying in uh so just thought i'd throw it at you as a goaltending coach yeah no i think that's it's an interesting point or we're probably never going to be back in that age where there's a lot of guys like that um it, as a coach you probably have to have a feel for what does your guy need i mean a jake ottinger is a guy who's going to be their goaltender forever and and if you're sitting there assuming that the game is more or less over what does he as a young goaltender need in that moment does he need rest hmm. i think most people would probably say yes and let's bring scott wedgwood in uh, does he need that experience of fighting through something and maybe he doesn't need the rest so much, then maybe a coach feels that that he could stay in. And it's probably going to depend on who the backup is as well. like Or how the goals went in, right? You can let in four goals and they're all world goals. So you're like, oh, it's not his fault. Yeah. We, we might be able to come back here. So let's see if he can he can make a couple of big saves because this isn't on him. It could be. Yeah. What's, what's the message to him and what do you know and understand of him yeah. as an individual and how he's going to respond to that? There are so many factors that go into it. And, and as you know, Scott Wedgwood's going to be good coming in no matter what. I don't think you need to look at him and say, there's a guy we need to get some reps. But I think in some other cases, maybe you've got a younger backup. You've got an opportunity to get a Joseph Wool into a game, for example. Maybe you give him that opportunity to get his feet wet in case you need him, as now the Leafs do tonight as we're uh, recording on the night of game four. We got Woody and uh, Cam standing by over at the hockey shop uh, previewing Tendy Fest, uh, but it'd be remiss to uh, not mention Pete Fry, uh, who's going to be at Tendy Fest. And we're talking about all these challenges in the Stanley Cup playoffs with the wild swings game to game, the mental side of your your game. Th- these aren't your Stanley Cup playoffs right now, Hutch. This is a very different game than than we're used to. It's uh, yeah, it's a mental grind uh, for all of these guys for all these reasons that that we've been talking about and the, the pressure that they have to experience. And uh, as you mentioned, th- this is a, a nice uh, segue, as they say, to to Pete Fry because he fits in with our feature interview this week. Pete Fry worked very closely with Dylan Ferguson. If you were watching Dylan's first game, you'll see that the camera cut to Pete a number of times because he flew in to be able to watch his his client working, his client and friend. 
And uh, those cameras might have been there thanks to one Kevin Woodley, who might have given a mm-hmm. little heads up to the producers of the show. Pete will be with us at Tendy Fest as well, Darren. He's going to hang out at the end goal table. We're going to be there showing off what we do. And Pete's going to be there with us in part just to get a chance to meet everybody, but also to let you know that the next week on June the 24th in Vancouver, uh, Pete's going to be bringing us his annual seminar on goalie mindset, goaltending mindset, and what he does for goaltenders. And there's a whole series of exercises throughout the day. He takes you through those things that Dylan himself will talk about in our interview today, very much unprompted by me. And uh, and this year, Pete's seminar actually has a little twist in that we're going to be on the ice for an hour, Darren, at the end of the day, so that you can so actually, cool. yeah, so you can put into action all those things that we talk about during the seminar. So yeah, great, great, uh, great fit here with Pete for so many reasons. And as Dylan mentions, goaltending, is it 90% mental? It's certainly incredibly important for your game. And so uh, Pete's a great guy to chat with. I know he's played a big role in the lives of so many goaltenders. There's more and more at the professional junior and college levels working with Pete, reaching out to Pete. And as I've said before, I know he's a rock for my young son as well. I wish it was 90% mental on my side, uh, but the physical components uh, just, uh, I can't get away from the impact of, of that side of it. And the limitations. Maybe with old guys, it's a little bit like that quote. I forget which head coach it was who said, isn't goaltending 70% of the game until you don't have one, then it's 100%. Don't have any of it. Yeah, yeah. so it's uh, 90% mental until you don't have a working body, and then it's 100% yeah. physical. So you got a hip that needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, let's go over to the Hockey Shop uh, source for sports, uh, Langley, thehockeyshop.com. Looking forward to Tendy Fest. Uh, let's bring in Cam and Woody. I always wanted to try, I want to try this. Heard all these good things. We had reviews done on it on the Empire Pro, but I never had a chance to try it myself. We got testers out in it. They love it. So what if there was an event where you could try it before you bought it? I'd like to say it back. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, the soaps for sports where we are going to talk to you about Tendy Fest. It is back. The pandemic is done. Tendy Fest is back in person, live. Your chance to try out whatever gear you want to try out. I'm looking here at the Bauer M5 Pro. Like I said, a line that we had some testers in, but I didn't get a chance, didn't get it in sizes that I could wear. So that means I can go to Tendy Fest to try it out, as well as the Stasters. All the new stuff, some of which is blurred out behind us secretly, is going to be at Tendy Fest. Make sure it's blurred out at Ten Fest for you to try. So we've got new lines from Bauer. Uh, that would be the Hyperlite 2, CCM, E-Flex 6, uh, Catalyst PX3 and PX. Sorry, yeah, PX3, PX9, um, and something else, PX7, will be hopefully at uh, Ten Fest as well. Uh, we've also got uh, Warrior, the, all the G6 uh, line of so another thing you wanted, I was wanting to try that little plastic slide plate thing with the Yeah, you, you can try that out. Uh, there's a specific clause in the waiver that says Kevin will leave not allowed on the ice surface. So we will be looking out for you out there. That said, that's because I'll be too busy with our special guest 
you'll need to make sure you come out to check out a special Q&A with Vancouver Canucks goalie coach Ian Clark. Oh, part of this debuted here in the video. The first confirmation automation in Clark coming to Tandy Fest. We should probably all cool kids. All the cool brands. We'll talk about the cool kids. Me. We're going to allow you there anyways. For, we should talk about the date bill, okay? Oh, what about prize? It? You got prize. Fabulous. Am I eligible for it? Uh, yes. Gonna, but no. Okay. So what if <laughs> I, well, how about a full custom Bauer setup? Custom is in graphics too. But then I, would I just put you on the spot there, Q? What else? I'm holding some CCM. So what about a full custom set of CCM gear too? A bat. A bat's a CCM gear, Bauer gear. Maybe some of three packs of sticks. Diffs. NHL goalie codes. Doing Q&As. Demos. We got a demos? Oh, yeah. That's the one. No, it's the demos of the gear. Sharpening. Painters. What we have? Oh, sharp. We'll be coming out, just showing out uh, custom profiling. Um, there will be a fleet of steel suit, so you guys will be able to try some custom profiles as well. And so I actually forget, like, past, we've had it in our video. Like, that's the problem, right? It's tough. If you want a custom profile on your skate, it's like, ah, but do I want to get sharpening done and just have it that, like, how do I do this? Because then my skate's permanently sharpened to that. He's going to actually have profiled steel that you can, if you have a quick release system, you can slip in and under your skate and try a different profile. Damn it, it's brilliant. I love it. Am I overhyped? Is this actually what's going to happen? No, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to keep it, you know, like... I'm sorry, I can't help Because there's more info coming too as well. For the things to be released, a few other tricks up my sleeve. There's not more. But wait, there's more. Yes. So sorry, you'd already talked about post-show. BioSteel is going to be all set up there. Make sure everybody's linked. Hydrated, ready to rock and roll. Um... Mask painters, we're going to have uh, Ian from Excalibur Airbrushing. They're going to be out uh, setting for a nice booth. Uh, might be able to do a little bit of live painting as well. We'll see. Let's confirm that. So lots of things to check out. Reason to be there. So the date, the date, June 17th. The location, Langley Twin Rinks in Vancouver, BC. The time is one. It's a suburb of Vancouver. Langley. So Vancouver. BC, going down to Langley, checking out Langley Twin Rings. It's 1 to 5, June 17th. We'll be there. Don't hold it as against us. We'll bring in Clark with us. Take credit for that. Uh, there'll be all kinds of great things. Great event. Uh, glad you have it. I'm trying to make the event about me. Look at me. It's Tenny Best. It's about the goalies. Go on and down and check it out. Give us a call here at 604 589 8299 or 1-800-567-7790 or check us out at thehockeyshop.com I, I don't know what's happening with the Stanley Cup playoffs on my side, but uh, I've been watching and uh, I want to keep going I, with my day job uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights and watching what's happening uh, with the wild goaltending front uh, on on this journey through the Stanley Cup playoffs and the current series against the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, if I can get the Tandy Fest, it'd be so cool. Now, yeah. I'm not going to pass up an opportunity for a long playoff run, but Tenny Fest is is a really cool thing to do if you got time. Well, we would love to have you up there, and I'm sure you could sleep on Woody's couch. But the best part of that little segment that they had, Darren, 
was the announcement that the special guest for Tendi Fest this year, courtesy of Kevin Woodley and Ingle Magazine, Vancouver Canucks goaltending coach Ian Clark. That's awesome. Just being able to hang out with Clarky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Clarky, come on over here. Just let me know what you think about my game here on the ice. He Clarky will not be on the ice coaching goaltenders, but he's he's there to uh, chit chat and have a have a talk with if uh, if you get the opportunity to bend his ear a little bit. Just anything, whether it's goalies in the league today or glove position or uh, different safe selections that you could just one off toss to him. Never, never get that type of opportunity, that type of access, which is what Tandy Fest offers up. Sure does. And that's what uh, In Goal Magazine was all about when we started it too, right? We get the privilege of talking to guys yeah. like this. We wanted to be able to bring that experience to everybody so that when you come to In Goal and you check out the pro reads or the pro drills or whatever, you get a little taste of what it's like to be able to chat with these guys. And now at Tendy Fest, you're really going to be able to experience it yourself having a chat with Ian Clark. Maybe, maybe, Darren, here's a good idea. Everybody could do some homework before Tendy Fest. If you're not already an In Goal member, you could hop over and join and check out all those pro drills where Ian Clark talks about how he likes mm. his goaltenders to play, all the different pro drills we've done with Thatcher Demko or, or the whole uh, group of goaltenders in the in the Vancouver organization that uh, Woody has such great access to. Hey, I also wanted to mention the people that uh, would like to go to Pete Fry's seminar. There is a post up over on ingoalmag.com right now. There's also one with details about Tendy Fest. If you're going to Pete's seminar, you get a nice little discount, uh, 25 bucks off if you're an Ingoal member. We just like to be able to give something back wow. to our membership. So if you're sort of on the fence, I'm not sure I'm signing up for an Ingoal membership, but I do want to go to Pete's seminar. You might as well sign up first and then you get the discount and it's kind of like you're getting your Ingoal membership for half price. We're giving you back half your membership fee just for uh, hanging out with Pete for the day. I mean, you put it that way, it's a no brainer. I, I hope so. The whole dollar cost averaging uh, <laughs> aspect of it. Uh, when you talk about goaltending coaches, uh, shout out to Sean Burke and Freddie Brathwaite, who I get to bend the ears of a, a lot. Uh, Freddie's uh, working with the taxi squad right now uh, with the, the Vegas Golden Knights and a uh, side group there. And I've been able to watch what he does uh, up close and uh, awesome dude, fun dude. Uh, I, I so wish I, we would talk goaltending more often uh, instead of just shooting the breeze, uh, which is what we end up doing or talking golf. Uh, I got to be more diligent to that. And Sean Burke is just such a, a positive human being. Uh, we, we've all know of Sean, we followed Sean, uh, but being able to spend this year, his first year with the Vegas Golden Knights has been a real privilege. So, uh, shout out to those two guys in my sphere, uh, when it comes to goaltending coaches and Ian Clark can't imagine the, the type of, uh, depth that you can go to with the Vancouver Canucks, uh, goaltending coach. We've got our feature interview coming up with Dylan Ferguson, a Pete Fry disciple, uh, in just a little bit coming off his first NHL start and a just beautiful performance. It was splendid in the shots against, but also how he rose to that occasion and and answered all the uh, challenges that were put towards him. Uh, the feature interview presented by Sense Arena, Sense Arena VR. Presented by Sense Arena. Yeah, we want to thank our friends at Sense Arena. And by the way, I think there's a pretty good chance there'll be a Sense Arena headset or two at Tendy Fest, at least at the in goal uh, booth. So stop by if you want to check out Tent. It, stop by if you want to check out Sense Arena and find out why it is possibly the best tool 
off ice to become a better goaltender, especially in weather like this. Because you, if you're in the lower mainland of Vancouver, if you're on Vancouver Island where I am, the sun is shining, pretty sure in Vegas as well. And you are not going to get out on the backyard rink today. But you could put on your headset and you could get out there with NHL shooters working through some great drills, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day can make you a better goaltender when September rolls around this year. So check out Sensorina. It's an incredible virtual reality tool for becoming a better goaltender. If you get it today, they've got a great deal on 40% off if you buy the annual membership. And the annual membership gives you access to it and three other people in your family. You can get three different accounts. So whether brother or sister is a goaltender or mom and dad, in my case, we're almost up to four goaltenders in the house. So we really get need to get this thing going. Yeah. yeah. So Sensorina is bringing us this feature interview as they bring all of ours. And I would strongly encourage everybody to head over to Sensorina.com and check it out. If you want to take advantage of that deal, use the code IGM50 and you will get another discount on top of that already. Great deal. Now, that's that feature interview, Darren. You were mentioning chit-chatting with Freddie Brathwaite about golf far too much. I actually met Dylan Ferguson for the first time on a golf course when he was 15 years old. He had oh, wow. Yeah, he had, uh, we, Kevin and I and Maddie were at the Gold in the Net annual golf tournament. They raise money for a scholarship that they give out to students. And uh, on the tee box ahead of us was Dylan Ferguson wearing his Kamloops Blazers golf shirt. He had just been drafted out of Notre Dame and uh, was about to begin his career in the Western Hockey League. And uh, we've been friends with him ever since. He's been great to everybody here at InGoal. He's been uh, on the podcast on two different episodes, episode 80 with Eli Wilson, another good friend of the show. By the way, um, at Eli's prospects camps in Edmonton this summer, Dylan Ferguson will again be a student. Doesn't come up in the interview, Darren, but uh, he was there last summer for a couple of weeks. He's going to be there again this summer for a couple of weeks where we'll get to get on the ice with him. And then uh, Dylan was also on episode 128 shortly after he'd won an ECHL championship and uh, so the chat this week was fantastic and for a young man who everything went so well for from that age of 15 or even earlier when we met him uh, right up to that pro debut that you mentioned at age 18 facing Connor McDavid as an 18 year old when you're still in junior hockey making that NHL debut since then maybe the road's been a little bit more bumpy than he anticipated and so we actually get into a chat in the interview today, Darren, where we we talk about some of those bumps. We talk about the important people that you need in your life to help you get over some of those humps and then how that's all prepared him for this, I would say, unexpected first start in the National Hockey League that, as you said, went so well. Nobody handles a, a sharp turn like Dylan Ferguson. Uh, can he adjust or what? Uh, what a journey. Uh, twists and turns along the way, uh, highs and lows, and he's still going and applying his craft. And now a third time appearance on In Goal Radio, the podcast brought to you by the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, Langley, as well as the feature interview presented by Sensorina, Sensorina BR. Enjoy. I think most listeners will know our guest, whether you're a longtime listener and heard from him before on the show, or perhaps you saw his first NHL start and win when he beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, stopping 48 of 49 in a 2-1 win. Dylan, Fergie, Fergalicious, congratulations. Summer's here. How are you feeling looking back on all of it? 
yeah, like I said, it's a it was a whirlwind year, kind of another one for me, but in a good way, I feel like. Um, you know, I think anytime you're on a PTO for 48 games, just kind of I was just really coming to the rink every day and doing the best I could. And as we all found out, things happen really fast. So overall, I, I'm feeling pretty good, enjoying summer here with uh, family, friends, my girlfriend, and um, starting to get the itch back a little bit already, actually, to get back at it, get on the ice. That's a good thing. We'll, we'll get to the game itself and your experience in the NHL this year in a little bit, but uh, we're not going to go through the whole thing because people can listen back to the previous show with you, but um, why don't you just give us a quick background for people who are meeting you for the first time here? Uh, how how do we get here? What's your upbringing as a goaltender, and and how do you end up in Ottawa? But yeah, no, I started in the Nanaimo Minor Hockey League. Um, would play for the Island Stars in the summer, uh, which was it's a great organization there for for young kids. And um, I think for me, I don't know why I would chose Wilcox, Saskatchewan as a place that I wanted to go over somewhere like North shore or Burnaby winter club. Like um, I think there were opportunities there, but for whatever reason, that's where I felt was best for me. And I was 13 at the time, moved away from home. Wow. A couple thousand kilometers, right. All the way in Saskatchewan. So um, yeah, first year was tough. Like uh, I kind of walked on and as, as a goalie, it wasn't tough. Like, walked on and made the triple a team but i think like away from the rink you know you're 13 just super homesick everything's so different i've been living in bc my whole life and um you're waking up with snow piling up three quarters of the way up your door on the way out and in saskatchewan and um so the first year i think was a real adjustment for me and made me grow up pretty fast and then you know i played two years midget there as well where i got drafted by Kamloops, joined Kamloops as a 17 year old um first year and my second year was my draft year and I got a pretty good opportunity with Connor Ingram playing for the world juniors that year and felt like I kind of put myself on a map there and really since then it's just kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster like obviously I uh, go to Vegas camp in the summer come back and um next thing I know I'm watching Boston where I'm at Boston Pizza watching the Knights game and getting a call five minutes later that I'm on a flight to MSG that night and um so, yeah, I, I feel like my whole career so far, it's just everything's happened very fast. And that, that kind of taught me to really be in the moment um, and just be ready for anything. The first year wasn't the year I wanted to have for sure. And then um, I felt like I had a pretty good bounce back the next year in Fort Wayne. Uh, just completely turned my career around, really. And like I always say, like obviously COVID was a really terrible thing. and But um, for me, I, I feel like it just gave me so much time to find like myself as a goalie back and as a person and find that fire again and um, came back and won a ring the next year. So obviously that felt really good for me. And next thing you know, I, I don't get re-signed by Vegas after my entry level and end up, you know, really just scratching and clawing for a job. And I got a PTO with the Leafs that turned into a PTO with the Marlies. Played like, I think six, started six games for the Marlies, over 48 games on a PTO. So I was just sitting in the stands training, just trying to stay ready. And then obviously I signed an a, uh, AHL deal with the Marlies to be loaned to the Wichita Thunder. <laughs> so Wednesday comes, I'm supposed to hop on a flight. I uh, get on this plane, sit on it for an hour and a half, this big storm, we don't leave. Okay. Next day they rebook it, same plane. Same thing happens. The plane is frozen to the ground, can't move. They can't get the brakes to unthaw. Canceled again. 
getting chills thinking about it. Friday, um, I come to the rink, hop in a car. And then meanwhile, like I'm walking into the rink three days after I was supposed to be in Wichita. So the guys are like, like, what's going on? Like, yeah. Um, so I'm like, no, I'm getting on a car now. I hop in the car 20, I'm not getting 20 minutes into this drive. My phone lights up and it's one of the PR guys for the Marlies. And I'm like, oh, what did I forget? And all he pretty much told me, he goes, you're not going to believe this, but uh, we just traded it to Belleville Senators. And um, so anyway, we rerouted. Uh, so I was going to Cincinnati or Toledo. I was going to Toledo to meet Wichita there. Next thing I know, reroute, played in Wilkes-Barre the next day. And wow, four weeks after that, made my NHL start. It's amazing. That's uh, I was going to yeah. ask you about some of the uh, some of the ins and outs, and I didn't realize that there were so many. But uh, I mean, let let's just walk back just just a little bit. You you talked about um, you know a lot of early success, whether it's in minor hockey, major, junior. You find yourself getting your first taste of the National Hockey League when you're about eighteen years old, still playing for the Kamloops Blazers. What's it like when when that first bit of adversity hits? And and now you've had a few, right? The from that first season, you learned something in that first season that helped you win an ECHL championship your second year. Now you've hit another little bit of a road bump, as you mentioned, and Vegas doesn't re-sign you. And and you've got to really push through a whole lot that you you described there. What have you learned along the way that that helps you be so resilient? Because I could imagine there's a lot of guys after having so much early success would never quite figure out how to hurt deal with those bumps in the road. I think it's just like, it's a good question. It's something that I don't know if I know the answer to yet, but like what comes to my head is like, it always feels good. Like I've always had the dream. Like every kid has a dream of playing in the NHL, win the Stanley cup. Sure. And going back to Pete, like what's your why, you know, Pete Fry, that's we're talking about. Yeah. Pete Fry. Yeah. yeah. Um, So like that first year, like I, it was just not my year. Um, so I think after that happened, like I've always envisioned myself as like, I always want the best version of myself every day. And like that whole year, I don't know if I could have said that any one of those days. Um, so I think like when I say, and I've said it before, like COVID that time off was kind of a blessing for me. Just and to reset. Reset and just work. And I think like you always hear the sayings, like you got to work your hardest when it's when you're in like the best spots, you know, and like, it's really easy. And I found like, not cocky, but just like, what's the word I'm looking for? Satisfied, I guess. Like I went into that year, like, Oh, I've done this, this. And then, but like, to me, that wasn't what Matt, what mattered. It was more, I wanted to, at the end of the day, after I learned everything was to give the best for myself. And like for all everyone who supported me and like helped me through adversity and it's just all this story. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing was just like finding and your why can change and you can have different whys. But I I think like hanging on to those and like remembering also like that, that little kid that like for me was in front of the fireplace catching socks and like that kind of thing, you know, love it. just that's, it brings the passion of the game back in front of the game. And when you put in that extra work, like it, it doesn't go unnoticed and when you don't they notice it and a lot of the times won't say anything you know because at the end of the day the athlete is in charge of his on ice and off ice and he makes his own decisions and that's something i feel that i found out was 
no matter where you are, there's always eyes on you. So, yeah, I was going to ask about that experience of, of who is there to support you when you struggle as a young pro, because up until then you've had somebody in your corner all the time. I assume knowing your goaltending coach in Kamloops, for example, or, or other coaches, parents are around when you're at home. Uh, but now you're in junior relatively in the middle of nowhere and, and you don't have that support staff. And I'm, I'm told once you hit pro, there's nobody there to pat you on the back and tell you you're doing well. So who guides you through those moments? Yeah. And Kamloops, it was for sure. Dan De Palma, I'll give him the shout out. Um, that guy's great, you know, not even just as a coach, but just someone you can just go talk to about anything. Um, and obviously a lot of the time, and as we've seen, like what happens off ice is going to correlate to the on ice. Like it's, it just happens. Um, so I think having Dano in my corner when I was like going through struggles and I remember I can think of a couple times that like I didn't, or even here, we'll do this. So my, speaking of like being satisfied i started owen seven i think the year after the draft in the whl um worked my way back but like i remember there was a game against moose jaw that like i was just i just wasn't me and like it was that was my and then i think i won like anyway five straight after but dano i like talked to him for like two hours and we just like went over this and like what do i want to do with my career and like he's this guy that you can talk to and who's there. He's like, my dad's great with this as well, but he's like having like another like a neutral party. Just, yeah. Yeah. For, oh. for hockey. Yeah. And he was great for that. So I think even honestly, like I'll talk about the Marlies as well. Like this year I had Hanu Toivon in for a while who you probably know who that is. He was a first yeah, round pick. For sure. Ruins, yeah. And he was just like a great guy, like would push me every day. I'd, I'd push myself. Like he's a guy that you're excited to get on the ice with. And like, obviously I'm doing pretty much the same thing every day. So we're like trying to find things to do. And even if I'm like most of the time, Hutch, I wasn't even on with the team. I'd have my own time slot for 40 minutes and not even be on the ice for, especially like the last like month and a half. Like I was literally a practice goalie. Um, So that, and it's just like having someone and it's in pros, which is rare, but like just in general, like if you have it, I'm saying like take advantage of it. If you have like a person that cares about you as a person and like as an athlete, I feel like that's a very powerful thing. And at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you you got to be your own coach, I think is the best way to say it. And how you talk to yourself, so like self-talk and like all this positive stuff, again, that Pete Fry works with, which has helped me over all the years. but. I think it's very powerful to be positive or use words in the right way. So you're not putting yourself down. Instead, you're figuring out, okay, this happened. How can I make sure this doesn't happen next time? And for me, most of the time, that's just putting in that extra effort or just having the right mindset in any situation. Right. And I hope the, whether it's the parents or the young goaltenders listening to this, um, are picking up the importance of having somebody in your corner and and more importantly, reaching out. Cause I could imagine that as a young pro, you might've decided, well, I'm supposed to be on my own now. So I'm just going to try and fight my way through this and, and having the maturity to, to reach out to somebody who can help you just talk through things. Uh, it's not that somebody needs to tell you what to do, but somebody to, to share your thoughts with and, and experiences with is, is important. So I hope people will, will take that lesson of what you're talking about here. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you even see it at the NHL level. Like, you know, there's guys get lost and don't know what to do. You know, like I, I wish the best for a guy like Spencer Knight. Like we know what's going on with him, right? And like this happens to the best athletes in the world. And mm-hmm. um, it's really important to, like we just said, have somebody, anybody that you, you can just talk to and just even saying it, even if it's to yourself, just being positive. But um, I think the mindset on it is we've said since I was a kid, 90-10 goaltending, 90-10, you know, I feel like there's a lot that comes with that 90% on and off the ice. So let, let's focus on some positive stuff here too, because I don't want yeah, this, yeah, to yeah. All, this to all be negative. Oh, but, no, no, uh, yeah, yeah but, but you signed in Toronto and you're on a bit of a prove yourself deal. It sounds like it, it, it wasn't um, the easiest experience, but, but then you get that call that you're, you're going to Ottawa. I, I must say I'm a little surprised that it was a PR person who called you and told you what's going on. Yeah, me too. Like yeah. it's uh, like this, He's a great guy, but um, you know, Is he's that the just guy. the packing order of, of pro hockey. I don't know. Right here. Yeah. I have I have no idea. Like I, the, he's who called me. Like it wasn't yeah, and he just called me. He's the guy that you would send your receipts to, you know. <laughs> so he's yeah. he's uh, he's who called me. Like he's all around the team, but um, yeah, I got the call, and my agent called me, and then all the all the Ottawa staff called me, and it was. World yeah, life. I got like some chills, you know, it was just exciting. So then you're, you're rerouting the drive because now you've yeah. got to join Belleville. Even, even Toronto, what's that process like as a young pro in terms of you got to find a place to live and you're not making the millions of dollars that they make in the National Hockey League. And uh, like, how, how does the team support you through that? And how are you, how much of that are, are you on your own? You know, the Marlies, honestly, like, everyone in the AHL knows like it's they're they're a great organization like the whole organization is a obviously a wealthy organization so I like I, I just felt so grateful to like be given that opportunity there like I didn't obviously on a PTO you don't pay for rent PTO means professional tryout professional tryout yeah yeah I just like I don't pay for rent so they put me up in a spot all year okay time I was there is that, a, uh, is that an apartment with another player or are they sticking in a hotel? I was no, it's just me, me and my girlfriend, actually. Yeah. Just nice for like four months. Um in a really nice spot. It's called the Rosemont, which is it was a nice spot downtown. Nice. And um yeah, they 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 took care of me. Um so I'm definitely forever grateful for that. And you're not getting paid on a PTO, but they gave give you a per diem or something, I assume. Or how I got I got paid on a PTO. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I I got paid on the PTO and um you know, taxed in Toronto, but <laughs> it was, uh, you know, like it's, I just tried to have a smile on my face every day, you know, and awesome. just drive through it. And that, that was, I think that was huge. And then you're, you arrive for Belleville and you must almost be prepared for these experiences now of joining new teams. <laughs> I mean, right. Cause whether it's being a super young guy walking into that, uh, Vegas locker room to play with them or, or now with the number of teams that you've been through, but but still, it's got to be a little bit awkward walking into that new dressing room for the first time. How'd that go? First time I did, we had a game that night that I was starting. Oh, lovely. Yeah, well, that's probably probably the best way to do it. Yeah, probably. Just get right in it. Um, How much time did you have? So I our, the drive was eight hours. So I got there around 8 p.m., um, played the next day at 6. Okay. So you had so, a little yeah. bit. A little bit, yeah. Got in, got some time, Got a, saw the guys in the morning, and... Beat Wilkes-Barre 2-1. Right on. 
how do you fit into a new system like that? Ooh, it, I, I, do you get the Coles notes of what's happening in the defensive zone, or does it just go out and act on instinct? I think that's what it was for me all year, to be honest. You know, was yeah. uh, at the end of the day, my job is to stop the puck and like keep flashlight on the puck and just you know, every team has a system and every team has systems break down throughout a game uh, as much as you don't want them to. And that's where mm-hmm. we come in. So like that for me, it was just, you know what, this is, I've been working hard. I feel ready. Like I, I, I didn't take anything for granted. Just go do whatever you can do. And I like, even though I'm working this hard, I was cramping so bad that game because I haven't played a game in like three months. So it's just, just right. Through. So yeah, you, you had a good run at Belleville. It put up some really good numbers there. And then how long before you're up in Ottawa? Yeah, so this I mean, all sorry, just for people. I just threw that out there. I should right. It was I think it was eight games, uh, two point two nine and a nine twenty six in Belleville. Yeah, and uh, I think I was like six and one or something too. Right on. That that works too. But um, yeah. So it all happened in thirty days. All this happened within thirty days. So I got back to Belleville. I think I played. I want to say four games before I signed with the Senators. Then I came to the rink one day. Um, my agent called me and then the next thing I know, the, the assistant GM or the GM of Belleville assistant GM of Ottawa called me, um, uh, and said they were going to sign me. And then I played a couple more games and we were in Cleveland playing the monsters. Um, I played the game that night. We won and 10 30 o'clock on a Saturday, um, Saturday night, I got a call from the assistant GM saying they're calling me up and I'm making my first NHL start on Monday. So awesome. I got in a car Sunday morning. Um, from, you have about 48 hours notice? Yeah. Roughly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously I'd been playing and I felt good. So, you know, it's... Um, but yeah, no, I 12 o'clock. So I got to Pittsburgh 2 o'clock the day before the game. And got in my hotel room, went out, bought a tie. Um, yeah. Hey, Did you forget it? You just never had it? No, like in Belleville, it wasn't uh, part of the dress code for games. Like you could just oh, wear okay. a college shirt. And, um, but so I, I just wanted to make sure, you know. So I thought, you know what, this the NHL, let's wear a tie. Right on. Um, got the tie and got on the ice the next day. And then, then – what happened happened yeah well we'll 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 get to that yeah what what's what's the reception like in ottawa when you arrive because i i can imagine how they might be with players but there's this little mystique around goaltenders right that they they don't want to mess you up on your game day and some of them worry that guys don't like to talk or they've got the routine but but you're the new guy too and you're a pretty young guy at 24 years old yeah no i was lucky to know a couple guys like nick holden um who I was with in Vegas for a bit and also Patrick Brown, who I was also with in Vegas for a bit. So having two guys and Eric Branstrom. Okay. Um, so like, I know these guys and um, that really helped and morning skate. Like I obviously wanted to get to know the team, like, um, but me and a guy, I was just locked in. And I, I remember Drake Batherson after the game was like, I was going to come talk to you. And I looked over and I saw a locked in you and I just sat right back down just cause like, I, that's, I just, you know, like I just wanted to make, the most of the moment and i just did what i do any other game day the only difference was i was on a team i'd never played with before so i just you know i feel like i kind of lead 
by how I play, not verbally and just like how I work in practice. And, um, I, I, it just, that's just the way it went. So I just really tried to stay quiet. And obviously after the game, like I, uh, I'm like a completely different person (laughs) (laughs) come to the rink and after the rink. So just, just as a lesson for, for the young kids out there, they get that effectively AP opportunity to move up to a team above their level. Uh, at least where they're playing that year, not necessarily their your ability level, because uh, you certainly showed you belong there. But like, how do you fit in with what a team is doing when you have your own routines that you're used to going through? There's you have a certain way you like to prepare for a game, but but then a team has a way of doing pregame meetings and and warming up before they hit the ice, and even even that warm up on the ice. Like, how do you balance your own needs with a team's needs and and make that work? yeah that was obviously like a little that's a good question it was a little different for sure like I think right away my first thing was okay get the schedule figure out what I want to do and feel comfortable about it so like there was like a couple changes like I'd be like the last guy in the lunchroom because lunch goes from 12 to 2 30 and I'd go at two and everyone's already eaten um so like I'm usually like a two o'clock guy before a game so like things like that um but I think just like like I said just finding like plan ahead, you know, be organized. Like you don't want to get to the rink and be like, whoa, this meeting's at this time. Okay. I can't do that now. And, um, I think it's just important for me. Some things are out of our control. I think when it comes game day, and I think it's important to not have like real like superstitions that could be kind of pulled away from you if something happens and you know, there's, there's athletes everywhere. If something happens, it gets in their mindset, but I think it's just planning ahead really and just okay this is what i'm gonna do and a lot of the stuff i do is actually like before the game like i like to do things um as soon as i get to the rink like i like to go up and visualize there so i usually take the earlier bus and just take my time and um that gives me time to get into that mindset i want and then just you know i think it's important to just be a part of the team after that and you know they're going to go to war especially at the level uh the nhl level and just go work and just trust yourself. Awesome advice that I think I hope coaches are listening to as well, because as you said, you want to be as prepared as you can, but uh, you need to be with a team that gives you that information so you can plan ahead and you can be prepared and know what the routines are. And I think that's something that younger teams probably wouldn't even be thinking about. Young kids lucky to get the opportunity, just come on in here and and get going. So the more information you can give to a, a young player joining your team, um, the better, so they can be prepared and play well for you, for sure. Now you've hinted a little bit about that pregame routine. Can you sort of take us through Fergie's pregame in an ideal yeah. world or maybe even just what happened yeah. in Ottawa? How did you use your time? Yeah, so I think, like I was saying, like I get to the rink, I get my stuff right away. I go over, I sort my gear out how I want it to be sorted. So when I get there after I go up in the stands, it's all set up and I kind of know where everything is. And um, What time is that typically? What time is that? So I usually like to go up to the stands around 4.45. So I'd say around 4.45, I'm up there for 15, 20 minutes, got my headphones on, um, got my stick with me, tape my stick, do a little visualization. Is that Fergalicious on the headphones or what are you looking at? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> No, definitely not. I I do like just visualization stuff, really. I'm just yeah. kind of like trying to calm my mind. And um, yeah, so from there, I kind of go back to the dressing room, put my stick. Like I'm very, when it comes, like I'm very like organized. 
I feel like, like I know where my stick's going to be. I know where all my, like my glove is. And, um, cause I, it's kind of like making your bed in the morning, you know, it's just like a good start to, so you show up to the rink and okay, I'm going to tape my stick, get everything ready, get my mind where I want it to be. Um, and then from there, sorry, I think you just, I think you just made a whole bunch of fans of the goalie parents out there that were listening to you. <laughs> Why? Cause you told every kid out there to mix bed in the morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it, it's a, it is important and it's easy. Um, like it's a simple thing. Have you seen the, uh, the Navy seal commander giving the commencement speech? Cause that's what oh, came yeah. to mind. Might oh, have yeah. to play a little clip of that. Always make your bed. Sure. For sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's just like, like, like even Pete talks about like doing like the, uh, like the nighttime visualizations and all this and the morning ones, because your subconscious, I don't have to get into it how he does, but pretty much the subconscious mind is like, it's just soaking everything in, in the morning, essentially. Cause like, you're just rewaking up. So if you started the right way, chances are you'll feel pretty good. And I kind of look at that going to the rink that early the same way. So that's, that's where the make the bed and tape a stick thing kind of came for me. Right on. Sorry, I I interrupted the pregame routine because no, no, no. I got excited about making beds there. Where where do we pick that up again? That's honestly that's like I play sewer ball. Yeah, I do my stretch and I get ready probably before everyone else. I'm in there with probably 35 minutes before I'm warm up, getting my stuff on. I like to I like to go out in just my pads in the tunnel and um, visualize a little bit, a little self talk and. And I come in and that's really after that, that's when I'm like locked in 27 minutes on the clock starts in 11 minutes, warm up. And I just sit there mentally prepare, get in the warm up. And for me, warm up, like I've had coaches tell me, oh, you work so hard and warm up. And I'm like, but that's just who I am, you know? And it's like, I don't want to go into a game feeling like I just had like a lazy warm up, And um, so I really just try to really focus on like my tracking. Um, like I don't obviously go like, I won't dive across the crease to try to make a save and warm up, but it's more like for like my eyes and like my hands, just making sure I'm getting everything fired up the way I would be if it was, for example, Sidney Crosby on a breakaway, like something like that. And um, so for me, that's after that, it's just, okay, I'm in the spot I need to be. Let's go play hockey. Awesome. Can you, can you share what one of those visualization session looks like for you? What sort of things are you going through? For the games? Yeah um what are you running through yeah so like i i just throw stuff on like powerful stuff that i feel like obviously you can see i'm a bit of a religious guy with some of the media that's come out so i like to listen to something i literally look up like god motivation and Mm -hmm. just okay find one that i think is kind of like i'll listen to it before i'm like okay i like this and it's just like while i'm visualizing it's something playing in the background that is positive and then after that, I kind of, I get up with my sticks all taped. And that's when I really started doing like the hype up stuff, like jump around little stretches. And, um, and I played something. It was just, it's just like, I just look up kind of what I'm feeling for the second one that day. Like I don't have okay. something I listen to all the time. It's like, okay, look up, like keep going motivation on YouTube or like something mm-hmm. like that. It's power, like positive stuff. That's like got some power behind it, some sick music. And it's just getting me fired up before the game so then you're playing your first game is there now you're sort of famous for being very dialed and 
And Pete has certainly told the story many times that you never look at a clock during a game, so you don't really know what time it is because you're just doing yeah. your thing all the time. And and they talked on the broadcast about how locked you were all the time. But is there a moment when you're out there that you that you allow yourself to realize that you're there and you're doing it, that you're an NHL hockey player now, you're getting your first start, and actually you're having a hell of a game? During the game, no. I, nope. I don't think there was a time where I was like, I was just being me. Honestly, like I yes. just, you know, like I, it was, I had people calling and all this, you know, and, um, before the game. Oh yeah. Like the day before and like texting, like good luck tonight, like lighting me up, obviously, um, like a lot of supporters. And so it's just like, for me, it was just, it's not just another day, obviously. I just in myself knew that I was just going to go and grind and just stop the puck like I know I can. And, um, I, I, and I did. So it was just, um, have, have you gone back to watch the game? I've watched highlights. Yeah. yeah. Like not, I, can't, I, I haven't watched the whole game. I think I've watched most of saves, but yeah, it's really cool to see me in there and, and it, it felt right for sure. And then obviously I got to play against New Jersey, which didn't go as well, but still it was a, it was a fun night and oh, it went all right. Yeah, I wasn't super disappointed in that one either. And I think you still now now own an NHL career save percentage of about nine twenty nine, so that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not bad. Um, but yeah, so it's that'd be great to keep it that way. Oh, you look fantastic. What's what's it like out on the ice as as a young guy? Like, are you getting chirped by the other team? Are you getting ignored by the other team? Is it? I mean, I've certainly heard lots of stories of what it's like for a young guy in junior hockey. What's what's it like in the National Hockey League? I didn't hear much. Um, really didn't hear much. I know uh, Danton Heinen on Pittsburgh, who I trained with in the summer on the ice. We obviously know each other, and he was out there and gave me a couple looks. But, no, like it was pretty, pretty quiet. Like even the guys coming up to me, if I made a save, it was just like a quick tap, like nothing crazy <laughs> or – like you just, you just have regular hockey talk, like, okay, like I'll be calling for you here and over here and like all this and breakouts. And, um, but that, there wasn't really any chirping. Like I, not that I noticed like a lot of it, like I was, I was locked in. So a lot of the time, like I don't even, can't even hear the crowd and <laughs> just really? like, yeah, just that locked in. Um, like even thinking back to it now, like I've said it before, like it's not a blur. Like I can remember parts of it, but most of it's like a blur. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so other than the win and the celebration right at the end, because that's obviously an incredible moment. Um, as you look back, was there a best moment in the game? Any special memories from the game? Favorite save or a chat favorite with another player? Favorite like save? That? It was either in the first period where Crosby was up top and passed the back door on the penalty kill. Okay. Or the windmill in the second. I'm okay. Hoping. One of those ones. It wasn't I'd even say, a Wednesday, I don't think, was it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it was a Monday. <laughs> um, we have to revamp the windmill Mondays. <laughs> yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, I'd say those two were the ones that stick out. And then, like, there was obviously, like, ups and downs in the game, too, without even the score changing. Like, there was, I, there was a crazy stat I saw after the game. Someone told me they had a shift in our zone where one of my D-men was on the ice for five minutes. Wow. And it was like like the second most in NHL history or something. And I 
I was just gassed. Like I was cramped. Like it was five minutes of offensive zone. And it was just back and forth. And so that was probably like, I think after that, when like we pushed through that, it just even heightened my focus even more. I had um, one listener ask, you can guess who that might be that you're now especially qualified to answer. What do you <laughs> notice about Crosby's shot? Because we've heard that he has a sort of a different release. Did you notice anything? I can't say I did, to be you honest. I, I feel like it, and there was something that I talked about myself for the game. It's like, you know, the puck's still the same. It's the same Perfect. size. They only have so much space to put it. Like, just trust yourself, trust your positioning, and do your best to make the save. Like, I, I, there's a couple shots. I know there was an early one by Crosby. I think I, like, slid across and got my blocker on it. But, you know, these guys are the best in the game. And obviously, I respect that. And I know that it, I have to be my best if I'm going to come up with those saves. And But I think once you, like, it, it could be very easy. Like, I think back to even my Edmonton game where McDavid on the ice as well you know and like do the little tap in the pads and it's like it's hard not to you're like oh it's Connor mcdavid hard not to hit the fan mindset to yeah exactly not exactly good point so i think staying in that athlete mindset no matter who you're on the ice with and at the end of the day that's where i want to be you know so that's that's the league i want to play in and that's the league i want to win in and when i'm on the ice my job is to stop the puck and Whoever shoots it at me, shoots it at me. Could you describe any differences in the game at the National Hockey League level? I mean, we hear lots of things about a little bit more predictable, a little bit more structured. I'm not sure you can say that in a game where you had to face 49 shots, but did you notice anything different? I know the puck's the same, but... Yeah, I'd say just like the amount of plays that are made more, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, so I think going back like to predictability, like... If they're passing a puck across ice, there's a good chance there's going to be a shot coming quick. <laughs> there's the, the things I feel like everything just happened faster in a way. Um, and just more often, like there wasn't like, like you, you can't get away with not being locked. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's the game just happens so fast. And like, you see it on TV, you see it at the rink. And I think the biggest difference I noticed from the AHL and NHL level this year was just like the consistency of plays and the speed of the game. I'd say those were the two biggest things. Is there anything you can do as a younger goalie to prepare for, for the game getting like that as you move up? It's a younger goalie. Um, and I don't mean 10 years old necessarily, yeah. but yeah, no, no, no. I know. I know what you mean, but I think, <sighs> It's, Sounds like I that mental side. Yeah, I think it's got to be because, you know, at the end of the day, we, like I said before, the net's the same size. And it's just, if you got to work that extra, I, here, this is what I would say. I'd say putting in that extra 5% in practice while you're not at the level you want to be at will hopefully help you fit in with that extra 5% that's at the next level. That's an excellent line. That's awesome. So what's the feeling as those last few seconds tick off? I have a feeling you know the last few seconds were ticking off, even though you don't watch the clock. But uh, what's that feeling? And then the boys come and greet you. Kind of um, something you dreamt of your whole life there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like there was one time that I looked at the clock and I didn't add enough. Like I think there was one time the whole game, maybe two. And I think it was in the third period. 
um, pretty early. I think we were on the power play and I was like, oh, maybe I should help out with this. So I looked up and I saw it and it was like 39 shots or something. And I was like, maybe more. And you weren't aware at that point. I had no idea. Like I had no idea how many shots they had or what. Um, and sorry, could you just go into why you don't look at the clock and the, and the shot clock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who hasn't heard yeah, this before? Just, it's yeah. It just I feel like it takes you out of the moment. Like you you start even though you don't want to, like you start subconsciously thinking, which is a problem I had in junior of like your save percentage. Oh, okay, I need to make ten more saves to get to this, and like That's a... there's like you're just putting things in your head that don't need to be there at that time, and that you know your brain. I don't know for me anyway likes likes to like cling on to little things like it's like if i if i see that yeah 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 and it just like stays in your brain you know and like you'll you'll think about it even if it's like an hour later or something like that and um so i think just like focusing on the puck and the play not only makes time move faster and like you're not there's just for me it's like there's no outside noise coming into your head like you know you have your job and the job is to stop the puck. It's not to see how many saves you're going to make tonight or what your save percentage is going to be after the game, you know? And I feel like that's something I just picked up. I think it was Tuka Rask that really said it first in the game, in the game that um, he started going to the bench mm-hmm. when it was a 3-2 or what was it like 2-2 hockey game or something? Okay. He started going to the bench because he thought his team was down 2-1. Oh, <laughs> And after the game, he was like, well, I just didn't, I thought the score was 2-1. I didn't really look at the clock. And I, I, I thought about it, and that's where this all came from. Oh, all right. Uh, excellent. Great story. Yeah. yeah. So, big but, celebration yeah. in the locker room? Yeah. Yeah. No, How many right text after- messages? Oh, it's, it took me like three days to reply to all of them. It, I'll bet it did. It was uh, it's obviously a really special moment. Like, again, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Um, and, like, even – like the feeling after like even like that buzzer just going back to what you had said earlier was just like not it was there's so many like it's relief it's like you're happy you're almost like i wouldn't say like emotional but like the, just the year i had and like how everything led up to it was just like how i feel my career has been up to this point it's just like maybe i'd say a little more peaks and valleys right now but like it's just the way everything kind of came together is just like I couldn't have asked for it to come any other way, like thinking about it now. So, um, yeah, it was uh, really important. But at the end of the day, like, it's still hockey. You're still in a season and you still want to play. So um, I didn't play the next day in Boston. And then uh, I played in New Jersey. Three games you played against Connor McDavid. You played against uh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang. And then you go into New Jersey, one of the youngest, hottest teams in the league, still playing. Yeah, you haven't had it easy, but you've done well. They were Great very experience. fast. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were a fast team for sure. Um, but yeah, it's you know it, it's just fun. Like I felt like I just just wanted to do my job. That's that's fantastic. What's what's next? That's a good question. You know, that's um, once again, I'm a free agent right now so i'm i'm sitting here just kind of seeing what's going to happen i don't think there's going to be much going on but you know whatever opportunity comes my way i'm just want to have the same mindset with it i want to you know do the same thing i did last summer coming into this summer and um just feel prepared for whatever comes my way and same thing like for anyone 
on that subject young goalie doesn't matter what your age is like i think the best feeling ever is knowing you're prepared for something and that you've put in the work to give your best at whatever that opportunity is well you probably were a little bit uncertain last summer because you didn't maybe expect that curveball to come but but now at least you've had that opportunity to show everybody in the national hockey league that you can play there so that's got to leave you feeling a little bit different this summer yeah like you'd hope so i think so you know it's like i just like like i said right now for me my mindset obviously like i feel a little better like i didn't you know break my wrist or anything crazy like that and um so i I think play wise i I feel pretty happy i obviously wish i got to play a little more games in the year but i I just feel like i want to keep showing what i can show and like i said whatever opportunity arises i'm gonna make the best of it right on what's that summer preparation look like for you yeah it's a lot of training a lot of ice i would like gonna do the same thing i think i think it was four to five days a week of like an hour and a half fitness training and then i'd that would be like 9 a.m and at like 10 30 go over to freshie in vancouver which is like a wrap spot mm-hmm. uh, grab a wrap grab like some little like energy drink or something um whatever i get from the team and head over to the rink and get on the ice with the pro guys for an hour an hour and a half and um yeah just go go home get a good meal if i was a napper i'd definitely get a nap but i just kind of lay there and recover <laughs> lay there and recover and then get up and have another meal really yeah. and obviously like spend time with my buddies go swing the clubs a little bit throw a line in the water but yeah, just when it when it when I fire it up for for training, I really feel it's important to uh, commit to it, even away from the gym or the rink. Like eating habits, and you know, good to have fun in the summer. But it's like I said, you want to feel like you've done what you could to be prepared. It'd be a gonna be a grind, but I'm sure there's good things at the other end of that grind for you when the fall comes around. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, the uh, it's a grind, especially like the first three weeks of training. Like you're just sore the whole time, and then. You feel like you like hit you like break through the barrier and then you're you're starting to lift a little more you're starting to be a little faster and then you're not as sore after and that's for me like that was like one of the best feelings because i started to look forward to going to the gym to you know like if it's physique or just even mentally like you, you just feel great well it's great to hear that you're itching to get back on the ice already but it's also good to hear that you're giving yourself a little break for uh for a mental refresh so that you feel that way yeah. Fergie, I've taken way too much of your time here, as always, oh. but uh, but thank you. And thank you for sharing, um, you know, so much about that experience with everybody and really giving an inside look at what it's like to be a young professional and obviously about, about your start in the National Hockey League. And I hope we get to see each other on the ice a little bit this summer. I'll make sure of that. All right, buddy. You take care. You thank go. you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hutch. Have a good one. There's a guy who, I, I love all the le- lessons in there. Great job, uh, Hutch. That that was fantastic. There's there's different things to pull. Uh, one, walking into new teams. Like he he's had to do it a few times uh, over the the course of his professional career, and doesn't seem to phase him at all when you no. when you listen to him talk about it, Darren. Yeah, and thank you. That was 
I, sometimes I find when I know the guys even better, the interviews are a little bit tougher because they just become a casual conversation uh, between the two of us and maybe not quite as coherent and planned out as some of the interviews go. So it's great that Dylan is such an open guy and willing to share absolutely everything uh, with everybody. You definitely, you don't get the pat media answers from from Dylan, and nor do you with many people on this show, do you? Isn't that the great thing that the, yeah. the goaltenders that uh, mostly Kevin is chatting with know that they're talking to a community of goaltenders and goalie parents and coaches, and so they really open up about the position. So we're thankful to all of them for that. But yeah, Dylan was was really open in this, and and I enjoyed all of it. And just hearing about that experience because it's a little bit different, you know. As as a player, you come in and nobody's quite on edge about how you talk to a player, but now you've got a guy you know is making his first NHL start, which is a little bit more momentous than stepping out on the third line on the wing because you better be stopping those shots. And it's Sidney Crosby, by the way, and you're on a new team and everybody knows that a lot of goalies like to be left alone. So how does all that work in? And for me, one of the big things that stood out there was teams needing to be proactive in giving information to that person coming into their team so they can plan out what they need to do to be ready. Because quite often, especially at the younger levels, a young man, a young woman joins a team and they're just sort of thrown out there and they've got to figure it out on instinct. So uh, the team's giving him the information as they do at the National Hockey League level um, is so important to help them fit in well. Here's something dorky. How about just something as simple as the pregame warm up? Well, yeah. Like, what, what do you guys do? What do you guys do for that? Like trying to trying to get on board with with how the structure is. That's what, which is exactly what I was trying to get to. How do you fit into that? Because you've got your needs, and you know a team has a routine that they like to follow, and and so having that information really helped Dylan in his own way, fit in what he needed to do with what the routine with the team was. Uh, we didn't get so much into the on ice experience of what that is like, but that's that's the same, right? You have certain expectations as a goaltender for the things that help you prepare best to be on the ice. And he did talk a little bit about what he likes to do and his way of going about a warm up that I think is is pretty cool. It was more generic than that one game. But how the intensity that he likes to bring to a warm up that maybe some coaches have told him he should dial back, but he wants to practice the way he plays. So it's, it's a, a lot of those insights today were uh, were were pretty cool and and great of Dylan to do that for us. One of my great stories from Doug McLean, who used to coach the Florida Panthers uh, when they went to the Stanley Cup final in year three. Uh, he had John Van Beesbrick and he had Mark Fitzpatrick uh, as his goaltenders. And he said uh, one of his great criticisms of Fitzpatrick, great medicine at Tiger, uh, won a couple of Memorial Cups, was he would take one shot warm up and then he'd like do nothing for the rest and then go off the ice and shower and then get redressed. And what would happen the first shot? It would go in every time. Yeah. Like, Can we not get that out of the way? Uh, so the different styles of warm up uh, that do come take up a couple more. Uh, in and around uh, the the professional, like, and players are the same thing. Some have, uh, have crazy. Uh, engagement in warm-up and others just walk that center ice trying to wait until the clock strikes on uh, speaking of the clock ferguson doesn't dylan doesn't look at the clock no during, he talked about that that was something pete mentioned in his seminar last summer i think was the first time i heard it that dylan is so dialed and so focused that uh, he's not looking at the clock he's not looking at the shot clock um i tried to prod adam a little bit there to say oh come on there must have been a moment you you were thinking to yourself, this is a pretty cool experience. And nope, I was just completely dialed. And, and I believe him. He's uh, 
as as open and kind and generous as Dylan is, he is a very focused competitive uh, athlete. And and when he's in his moment on the ice, you absolutely know it. So so yeah, I believe that he was was that dialed. He did mention at one point, uh, as you heard in the interview, that he did look up and notice that there'd already been thirty nine shots, and he couldn't believe there'd been that many. And that he did take a sneak a peek as the final seconds were counting down, so he had a clue that it was coming. But yeah, he's. Uh, I, I love that story about Tuka Rask pulling himself from a game because he thought the game was yeah. uh, that they were behind by a goal, and in fact, the yeah. game was tied. But he, well, he said, "Well, I don't look at the clock. I haven't just that dialed in." And that's what woke Dylan up as as a cool idea for how to go about things. Just and, uh, it's work too. You got you got to know because you got to be aware of where the penalty clock is because you want to be able to let your team know when there's expiring penalty. But you, so you got to be aware of that w- without looking at the game clock. There's there's strategy and preparation. Oh, for sure. Well, that's funny enough. That's a Pete thing. Pete doesn't doesn't think a goalie should be warning the team about the end of a penalty. He should just be focusing on stopping the puck. I I don't agree with Pete on that one. You're allowed mm-hmm. to disagree with Pete. Um, but but he just wants his guys that focused that they're not thinking of it. I actually really like um, Dylan's honesty about being a younger goaltender. And something we all do, right? Looking up at the clock. Oh, okay. So there've been ten shots, one goal. Okay, I'm sitting at a nine hundred. That's not bad. Or, or there've been nine shots. Now. Yeah, no, exactly. We all do it. Or, or worse, you're looking at the clock and you're like, oh, come on. I know I made two saves there. They didn't give me credit for yeah. those. All of that just disappears if you just decide you're not looking and it doesn't matter. Yeah, the shot clock thing drives me mental when I'm playing. We've all heard Woody go snaptastic when they don't give him credit. Yeah. I can't even believe his beer league keeps track of them. But but some of those focus things, like maybe, like maybe you don't need to be so extreme that you never look at the clock. And I agree, Darren, you want to warn your team when a guy's coming out of the box. But if you can find a way to take yourself away from that shot clock and not worry about, I've got to hang in here for three more minutes or whatever it might be, I think you're going to be a better goaltender for sure. I'm not warning anybody uh, on my men's league because I don't want to break my stick. But in the national and professional leagues, you should be doing that and warning teams, uh, your teammates about somebody potentially coming out of the box because it does happen. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we've all had somebody step behind our defenseman. Yeah. yeah you've. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's not even whether it's your responsibility. You got to save your own skin there. Yeah, exactly. Good point. It's good for the coach to to know that you're engaged, but then it also helps you out uh, being in the game. Oh, what do we got going on over at the uh, at the site in GhoulMag.com? Yeah, well, like I said, if you want more information on TendyFest or on the Pete Fry Seminar, head over there. We've got that up. Uh, one of the coolest things we've had in a while I'm super excited about is we've got the first in a series on the science of goaltending. I don't, I don't know if you followed it, Darren. A while back, there was a great newsletter series going around from uh, IQ Goalie, where they looked at different scientific concepts and how they applied to goaltending. That was uh, Brandon Tebow, who is now contributing to InGoal, uh, sharing some of his looks at goaltending science. And he's got a master's degree in physiotherapy. He is coaching. He has played in the queue. He has played university hockey. He's scouting in the Quebec League. Uh, and he's sharing his experience as a scientist and how different aspects of science fit into goaltending. And this is kind of an introductory article the first time talking about evidence-based goaltending and uh, how we need to approach that. And then he also gets into a very specific thing, which is known as the quiet eye phenomenon uh, based on a study out of, I believe it was the University of Calgary, talks about it and its application to goaltending. 
I'm super excited, Darren, because I've got a master's degree in exercise science and I've worked with high level athletes in a whole number of sports. I love this stuff. I love geeking out on it. So I'm really excited uh, that we can welcome Brandon to the Ingoal family. What does quiet eye? Can you give me just a, a teaser on that? Yeah, for sure. Some people might be familiar with, with, especially with children, they will actually do some testing at the optometrist of how your eye tracks on, on letters, especially if you're having trouble with reading and things. Um, and you can see some kids' eyes just dance around as they're reading and maybe not in the same order as others. A similar study was done where they used a similar tool and they could see exactly where the pupils were, were aiming, where they exactly were looking as they were trying wow. to follow a puck. And essentially, the goaltenders who can quiet their eye, who can retain their focus on that puck without it dancing around, are the higher level goaltenders. It quite very much correlates with your ability as a goaltender, your ability to quiet that eye and look at it in a very focused way just by tracking the eyes. And, and I've often talked to goaltenders um, and heard other coaches talk to goaltenders about this. Are you looking at the puck or are you really looking at the puck? Like, do you see this black blob out there or are you reading where that puck was manufactured along the side of it as, as, as it's coming towards you? I exaggerate. When I play golf, if things are going well for me, I'm not swinging at this big white blob, but I'm actually looking at an individual dimple on the ball. I'm really looking and dialing in on it. So that ability to quiet the eye and focus on the puck uh, really correlates with how well you play. See, and I, I automatically think, are you supposed to be that focused on the puck or are you supposed to be looking at everything while, while you're watching or trying to defend for peripheral vision and play development? So, yeah, and, and uh, you know what? Really... That's, but that's where science gets, gets interesting and complex, yeah. right? Because they'll look at a very specific thing and in this one case, they would have shown that the more elite goaltenders do this better. Does that mean that they don't look anywhere else? No, because you're trying to control for that in what you're looking at in a particular study. I am sure they are taking in far more information and not just staring um, that intently on it. But sometimes a tip like that, Darren, is a good way to bring you back to somewhere you need to be if maybe you've been straying too far from it, even if you do need to move away from it from time to time to collect other information. So that's on the website right now? Sure is. So head over Beautiful. to ingoldmeg.com and, yeah. and uh, you can get a little preview of it. And if you haven't grabbed your membership yet, please do. It's less than 50 bucks Canadian. That's a, less than a dollar a week, which is almost nothing in your American dollars, Darren. And you get a full year of content from ingoldmeg.com. You're going to get hundreds and hundreds of articles that are already up there. And then the articles that come every week over the next year. Love to stay in chat, but I got something to do over at ingolmag.com. I'm <laughs> really excited about this uh, rabbit hole that I'm about to go uh, down. You might have a hockey game to worry about tonight too, hey? Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's that too. What a fascinating series this has been uh, with the different goaltenders. Vegas with injury and uh, Edmonton changing goaltenders due to performance. And we'll see what develops. Uh, Aiden Hill, born in Vancouver Island, Calgary guy born in Vancouver Island. Uh, so uh, props to you uh, with what you guys are doing uh, out there uh, with the fascinating, uh, just beautiful goaltending factory that is uh, the island is becoming great at that. Uh, thanks to uh, Kevin Woodley as well. Everybody over at the hockey shop, Cam and company and Woody, we love you. We'll talk to everybody next week on Ingle Radio, the podcast. 